Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. So why are chickens so funny? I had to grow up in Oklahoma with chickens to learn how to do that right. And you got to... Anybody ever see a chicken? All right. So why did the chicken go to the gym? Obviously to work on his pecs. Because he didn't work on his legs. Chicken legs. All right. Anyway. All right. Now, I got a, I, today's a little different. I'm going to be a little different today. It's good. Enjoy yourself. We're going we're gonna to start with our scripture today instead of starting with an introduction. We'll come back to the introduction in a second. But um, we're going to, in just a second, we're going to go to John 4:34. But before we do, Jesus is going. Um, he meets a woman at a well. He's going to get something hot, middle of the day, sits down, woman comes, he says, hey, could you give me a drink? The woman says, huh, you know, you're a Jew, and you ask me for something to drink, you know, don't you know who you're talking to, you're talking to a woman. He says, yeah, they have this big, long conversation, and eventually, he tells her everything about herself, and she runs off and says, hey, this, this is the Messiah, Jesus, the first lady, by the way, first person Jesus told he was the Messiah was this lady, and she brings all of her friends back, and as they're coming back, uh, the disciples that had gone away to get food, they come up to Jesus with the food and said, hey, it's lunch, and Jesus Jesus says, hey, I know we went after food and I know I'm hungry and all that, but look at all those people right there. He said, those people? And then he makes this statement. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet in honor of God's word, and we're going to uh, read the statement. So Jesus hadn't eaten, and it was lunchtime, past lunchtime, and what does he say? He said, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me. What was his food? To do God's will. And, and, then, and then to do what? Come on, come on. To finish. What's this sermon series about? It's about finishing strong. God wants us to do what? Finish. finish. So our food, the things that literally feed our souls. Do you know you were designed by God? The Bible says you are God's handiwork. That means God actually, you are, his hands made you. Adam and Eve, you remember everything else in the world? He spoke and they came into existence. But Adam and Eve, what did he do? He formed them. Because you are God's hand work, the work of his hands. And, and can I finish that verse for you? You are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. You are designed to do something with your life. And a lot of your tensions in your world have to do with the fact that you don't know what God made you to do, so you're not doing what you're designed to do, and therefore you're not living in your fullness and your best, and you're always being caught by your, your flesh. Anybody, my food, you know? Anybody like food calls you or, or the computer calls you or the bottle calls you or, Y'all following? 
There's always something that's calling you and you're giving into that. The reason you're giving into it is you don't know what your real food for your soul is. The food that feeds your soul, that causes you to overcome all these temptations, that causes you to live the life that makes you happy and to live the life that makes you fulfilled is when you recognize what God made you for and what you're supposed to be doing with your time. That's, that's core to me because we have an identity crisis in our culture. Everybody's trying to figure out who they are. I mean, you now think you can be 86 things. And I'm telling you, God made you on purpose. And you're, the only thing that's going to satisfy your soul is when you say like Jesus. I can even do without food because the thing that satisfies me is to do the will of him who sent me. And to do what? Finish. Not just start finish his work. Father, I pray that today you would help us do what we're designed for. You would help us to embrace that we're created to do something in this body rather than just suck air. We're designed with a purpose, with an intent. We have gifts and talents and skills and abilities that nobody else in this world has our exact pattern. Our DNA is ours. You designed us with a specific blueprint in our DNA. And if you did that in our DNA, you did that in our, our will and our understanding and our thoughts and our, our past and our history to make us into the people that can fulfill your purposes. And I pray that in the name of Jesus, we would step into that today. Amen. Amen. Hey, before you're seated, you need to find somebody close to you. You need to look at them really close. You need to say, hey, God did a good job designing you. <laughs> hey, if you're online, God did a great job designing you. Now, young men, if you're single in the place and you saw somebody that caught your eye, I gave you a perfect setup right there. I'm just saying. Because in the first service, my wife wasn't back in kids' church. My wife's back in kids' church now. She was sitting right there, and I was like, hey, baby, God did a good job designing you. Oh, yeah. You say, that's inappropriate in church. Well, then go find a different one. Because if it's not right for a man to flirt with his wife in church, man, we got a bad church going on. <laughs> Do you ever feel like you can't finish strong because you're too weak? You know, like your fleshly desires and, I don't know, your past, it keeps you from doing what you're called to do. You ever feel like you're too weak to do that? It might be because you are too weak. Look, look can we just face the facts? I'm not God. There are problems I cannot fix, Right? There are some problems way too big for me to fix. I just read this morning, I opened up the Bible. I, I try to read a psalm first thing in the morning. It just sort of stills my soul, gives me something to pray through. And some of the psalms are three or four verses long, and it's great. The one this morning was, I don't concern myself with matters too great for me, but I have stilled myself like a child at its mother's breast. And I had to take a big sigh, and I had to say, God, there's some things I can't fix. I'm glad you're big enough. Right? Can we admit that part of our reason we don't think we can finish strong is we're trying to tackle too much? And another thing is, we might be trying to tackle the wrong things. God never called you to fix that. Maybe God called you to fix your house rather than the White House. No, atti no attitude to that one. Uh, maybe, maybe, though, 
there's something else going on. Maybe you think you're supposed to live your life alone and isolated. That you don't think you really need people. Now, I have all kinds of illustrations for this, and I, I have all kinds. But can I give you a simple one? When I was a younger, a younger man, I, I actually teenage years, I worked on a farm a lot. And we had a lot of cows, and um, I noticed something. Those cow would give birth, and when they would give birth, the calves would hit the ground. Within 30 minutes to an hour, those calves would be up walking around. Anybody in the place had a baby? Do you have, have a child in your house? Anybody have a child in your house? 30, 30 minutes later, after you, you know, just pop them out on the ground, they're up 30 minutes later walking around, right? No? Three months later, they're up walking around, right? No, you're still shoving food in their mouth. You're still taking them everywhere they go. Do you know that you are designed? You have one of the longest periods of any mammal on this earth of being cared for. Did you know that? You're cared for a long time by your parents. And if you think your parents hate you, they could let you die a thousand times. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying. Teenagers, listen. No, my, my whole point here is this. Is that you've been taken care of because for the first, what, two, three years of your life, you can't really do anything for yourself, right? Think of the years that you're taking care of. You are dependent on someone else for years in your life. And that's not even counting the final five years of your life. When you're going to be dependent again. So we need one another to survive. But we have this problem in America. We think we're all self-made, you know. And we're independent. We're the gunfighter that doesn't need anybody because we got the six. You know, that, that's inbred a little bit in our, our cultural psyche. And the problem is, is that's incredibly destructive because that is totally against what the Scriptures clearly teach. The Scriptures teach that we need one another. Can I just read you a few? Yes. All right. Romans 12.10, honor one another above yourselves. Romans 12.16, live in harmony with one another. Romans 15.7, accept one another. 1 Corinthians 16.20, greet one another with a holy kiss. <laughs> holy kiss, holy kiss, holy. Careful over there, man. Holy kiss. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 13.11, encourage one another. Galatians 5.13, serve one another humbly in love. Ephesians 4.2, uh, bearing with one another. Ephesians 5.19, speaking to one another. Ephesians 5, uh, speaking to one another. Can you back that up? We're supposed to do what? I thought we were supposed to walk through the door as coldly as possible, find a seat, and never say hi to anybody. No. You're supposed to actually do something here today. Speak to one another. How about this one? Ephesians 5.21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Colossians 3.16, admonish one another. James 4.11, do not slander one another. 1 John 4.7, let us love one another. Hebrews 13.1, keep on loving one another. I read you a bunch of things and they all said the same two words. What? One another. We're apparently supposed to actually interact with one another because we actually need one another. If you're trying to live on an island, you're going to not fulfill God's purpose and will for your life. 
Scripture makes it clear that we're to live conscious of one another. When things are good, we celebrate with one another. When things are bad, we help one another. Now, our sermon series has been built around a guy named Daniel. He's an inspiration. We haven't talked about him. We'll talk. We're going to do that later on this year in a couple of weeks. We're going to talk about Daniel and walk through the book of Daniel. But I've used Daniel as an inspiration as a guy that lived in Babylon for years. And, you know, even when he was 80 years old, he was still praying in the direction of a temple that had been destroyed for 70 years. But Daniel would have never made it to those final 80 years of age if he hadn't started with a couple of guys. You might know their names. My shack, your shack, and to bed we go. Oh, that's how he said it in my house as a kid. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Y'all know the story? We'll talk about it in a few weeks, but the story, we sang about them today. There's another one in the fire. And that story comes out of, that song comes out of the story where Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego all decided that they would stick together in a foreign land and they would honor God with the way they lived. And they chose to be a band of brothers that made each other stronger rather than to tear each other down. Down. And the church is meant to have that same mentality, and you are meant to have that same mentality. Because if you're going to survive in this world, you're going to need somebody at some point to help you make it through it. And today we're going to talk about my hero that helped people make it through it, and his name is a guy named Barnabas. So, but you don't, do you know that wasn't his real name though? That was his nickname. In Acts chapter 4 verse 36, the scripture says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas. So his nickname was Barnabas. And what did it mean? Bar Naba. Bar is son of, Naba is encouragement, the son of encouragement. He was called somebody that was so encouraging that they gave him the name. Man, you just leave children of encouragement everywhere you go. Wouldn't that be cool to be said about you? What a nickname. He's actually one of my heroes. When I was youth pastor, I pulled a group of leaders together from our youth and I called them the Barnabas team because I said, your job is to encourage everybody and you're to be the leaders. And we talked about the characteristics of Barnabas. So I've been preaching on Barnabas now for about 35 years. So that means I have about three years for this sermon. Thank you, Oli. I, I love you, man. Thank you. Everybody else is like, no. You know what we know though, I heard this yesterday. Um, Joshua did a great job. Um, um, his name's not Joshua, uh, whatever his name is. <laughs> what is it? Uh, Josh, yeah, Josh Williford la yesterday taught us. One of the things he said that grabbed my attention is his wife's a counselor and they've done research and I've read this before but I'd forgot about it. Do you know that, it, it, that in your brain, it takes five encouraging statements to equal the weight of one negative statement. The, your brain, the way it chemically processes things, one negative statement about you has the weight of five positive statements. That's the reason your third grade teacher saying you'll never learn anything, still, you can still hear it in your head, right? You're a dummy, you can't figure this out. Or your parent, that one negative statement. Your parents may have said 5,000 positive things about you, but you just remember the one negative because in your brain, you have a tendency to focus on the negative rather than the positive. So we should be a people who are constantly focusing on encouraging and building each other up because it carries such more powerful weight, but a smaller weight. 
So Barnabas not only finished strong, Barnabas was a person that helped everybody else finish strong. And I got a video that uh, will help you understand what I'm talking about, about finishing strong and helping others do so. 39-year-old Jamel Melville struggling to stay on his feet after more than three hours hitting the pavement across New York City's five barrows. I knew I was close to the finish line. I knew that I didn't have that much longer to go. It was painful. <laughs> it was painful. Jamel remembers the intense closing moments for him yesterday at the 50th running of the New York City Marathon. Well, 200 meters from the finish line, ran into some difficulties. I had been slowing my pace a little bit. Um, and, you know, I, I hit the proverbial wall. I, I didn't have it anymore. And it was at Jamel most vulnerable moment in the race when video captured a magnificent gesture of humanity. I know one of the runners passed me on my left and as he passed me he sort of looked back and he made up his mind to come help me. Watch as two other runners lift Jamel from the ground, encouraging him to finish the race. I'm going to hold on to this for, for a long time and cherish the experience that I had going through what I went through. So Thousands of people finished the New York City Marathon that day. Do you know about any of them? No, you don't. You know what you know about? You know about somebody that stopped to help somebody else out. There's power in that. As a matter of fact, their stories, none of those other runners, their stories were told on TV, but this one was. Because when you want another, somebody else, and you help them finish the race, that is a blessing not only to you and not only to them, but it's a blessing to everybody in your world that sees it happen. And what I want to encourage you today in this sermon to be is I want to encourage you to be a Barnabas. And now Barnabas, I, I got a sermon outline. Did I give you my sermon outline? Because I worked on this thing. Come on. My letters even all start with F, you know. I got three main points. Barnabas was faithful. Barnabas was fearless. And Barnabas was a fighter. See, I could preach this. I, I got illustrations I'm going to skip. I got all kinds of things I could talk about. But I do have a point for what I want to do today. So if you'll hang with me, we'll get to the point. But I need to establish a little bit about what it takes to be a true encourager. What's the kind of character that it takes to really be an encourager? So let's look at, first of all, Barnabas was faithful. What we know about him from Acts chapter 11, verse 22. Uh, news of this reached the church in Jerusalem. And they sent Barnabas to Antioch. So Barnabas, apparently they thought Barnabas was a good enough guy that when there were some things happening in Antioch, they needed somebody to go, they sent Barnabas. And when he arrived, he saw that the grace of God, uh, what the grace of God had done, he was glad and he did what? Come on, what did he do? He encouraged them all. He encouraged everybody. And to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. And then it makes a statement about him. It says he was a what? He was a good man. He was full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. So what does this faithful guy look like? Well, first of all, he was a good man. You could trust him. If he gave you his word, you could take it to the bank. He was a good man. I wish I were a good man. Man, I'm trying to be, right? But we need, to be, we need to be people of character and integrity. And the first thing we know about him as a faithful man is he had character and integrity. Second of all is he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He had God's power in his life and he was, his purposes and the reason he did things were driven by the Holy Spirit, not for self-aggrandizement. We also know he was full of faith. He was taking steps of faith. 
And he was one of those guys that was so faithful in his encouragement. He was so faithful that he would do it even at his own personal expense. Now, a lot of us, we think that if we're going to be God's people, that it's not going to cost you anything. But I really want to tell you that if you're going to live the life God called you to live, it will probably cost you a lot. One of the things, let's tell the story about Barnabas, Mr. Encourager, who was faithful. How did they know he was faithful? How could they have trusted him to be faithful to send him to handle this problem in Antioch? Well, back in Acts chapter 4, verse 36, where we first see him, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, he did something. He sold a field he owned and he brought the money and he put it at the apostles' feet. So first thing that he did to prove his faithfulness is he was a giver. He financially committed to help the church. Talk for just a second. Can we? All right, my sermon today is not about feelings. I don't give a rip if you leave here with warm, fuzzy feelings or if you leave mad at me. I don't care. Your feelings today do not matter. I'm going to tell you right now what I want from this sermon. Y'all ready? All right, everybody awake? I want you to take your next step. If I'm going to get from here to the other side of this platform, I have to do something, right? What do I have to do? But I want to be there. I want to live financially independent. I want to live in financial peace. I want to live in God's blessings. That's where I want to be. What? You're saying I actually have to do something? I actually have to take a step towards my goal. I want you to live God's best. I want you to overflow with joy and fullness so that your neighbors are jealous of how much God loves you and blesses you. But if you're going to do that, you need to take your next For some of you, let's talk about this step. Some of you, money's an issue. You've been attending this church for a while. Zero, nada, zilch, goose egg contributed. Do you know what you call somebody? that continually shows up to eat at your table, but never does anything? <laughs> you said it. Don't, are your children, and they're known as moochers. No, I, I, yeah. no, 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 fun, fun, just fun. I, what I'm talking about is this. At some point, you need to contribute. Correct? All right, so here's the deal. Take five bucks a month. All right, five, five bucks a week. Five bucks a week. If you give zero right now, five dollars a week in general fund. See that envelope in front of you? It says general fund. Five bucks. You can do five bucks. It's not going to break you. Buck, 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 buck. There you go. Five bucks. Do something. Something. Because if you want financial blessing in your life, you have to start somewhere. I know, you think, all oh, I want your money, and I'm trying to get your money. Yeah, this church definitely is going to run on your $250 a year. $1.7 last year was our budget. Your $250 is not going to make us or break us. It's not about money, because I don't care about your money. I care about your heart. I want you 
to live in all God has for you. And Matthew 6, 21 says where your treasure is, so where your money is, there your heart will be. And I want your heart devoted to Christ, and I want your heart being a part of this church, and I want you to be a part of what God has for you, which is better than what you're living in. And by the way, if I mention money and you freak out, then don't give a penny. But go online right now. Harvestridge.net slash events and sign up for Financial Peace University. The first meeting is happening right upstairs right now. Leave, get up, go there, join Financial Peace University. Be a part of something to help you get on track. I don't care about your money. I want you to live a blessed life. And if money, your attitude towards money or debt or something like that standing in the way, we want to give you the tools to get over it. Right? I know, I know. I, I'm always up in people's grill. People get mad at me all the time. Get mad at me all you want to. Just move. Just do something, all right? Get mad at me and take a positive step. I don't care. I'm like the dad that wants what's best out of you, even if you get ticked off at me. All right. So would you begin today? Uh, Acts 11.30. What, hold on, notice this. This guy gave, and look what happened. This they did, sending their gift by, to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. So who was actually in charge of taking care of the finances of the church now? The guy that proved he was faithful with his finances. Do you want to be the kind of person you can be trusted and be called a good man or a good woman? Do you want to be the kind of person other people think are faithful? Take steps of faithfulness, right? Did you all hear that, that ad for Financial Peace University? I'm serious. If, I, if money is an issue in your life, leave this room and go join Financial Peace. Sign up. They will let you join them next week. You, I talked to Matt. Matt's got room for you. Join Financial Peace University. All right. Second of all, he was fearless. Barnabas was fearless. Fearless, of course, means never having fear, right? No. Fearless people don't live without fear. Fearless people just overcome their fears because they have a greater motivation than their fears. In first service, there was a dude sitting back there. His name's uh, 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 David Henners. A couple years ago, David Henners took me down to Kentucky, and he dropped me in a hole, 160 feet, in a hole in the ground about maybe that big around. He dropped me in the hole, 160 feet, to the bottom, through a rope I rappelled down, and then it took us eight hours to walk our way out of that cave. Now, some of you are having heart palpitations just thinking about that. I, I'll tell you, I'm not really scared of claustrophobia or anything like that. But, you know, the moment I started going into a hole that was pitch dark, that I couldn't see anything, and started going down backwards on a rope, I, I had a little fear. But you know what I did? I had a blast all day long because... I overcame the fear to get down there and we walked through all kinds of cool things and, and when we came out, we went up a 60-foot chute that was about that big around with a pack on my back kept getting stuck because we were climbing hands and feet. That was a blast. I had fun because I overcame the fear. First responders, people who, do you think they really get off the fire truck and think to themselves, yeah, I'm really looking forward to being burnt up in that building right there in front of me as I run and get somebody out. No, they're not happy about that? No? 
They know that it, they could lose their lives in the air, yet they do it anyway. Why do they do it? Because they overcome fear because of a greater reward. There are lots of rewards that you can have in this life, but at some point you're going to have to own up to the face, face up to the fact that you're afraid, own up to your fears, and overcome them. What it, in July uh, 2018, 12 boys were trapped in a cave in Thailand. A former Navy, uh, Thai Navy SEAL diver named uh, Samarn Kunan, he was 38, he, took, he was taking oxygen tanks back so the kids could escape. They eventually used his tanks to get out and survive. All 14 people that were in there, two coaches and 12 uh, soccer playing 12-year-olds, all escaped. But Sunan, he died. He died because after he left the oxygen tanks for others on the way back, he ran out of oxygen himself. Do you think at the, any moment he felt fear? You think at any moment he was like, oh, no. Of course. But we honor and respect and revere people who face their fears to save 14 others. Barnabas also put his life on the line. He put his life on the line to help a guy named Saul become the Apostle Paul. Acts 9.26, when he, speaking of Paul, remember he was Saul who used to kill Christians. When Paul came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were afraid of him. I wonder why. Hey, this dude's killing Christians. He got saved two weeks ago. <laughs> Let him into all of our private spaces. No. What happened? He came. They were afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But, but, but who? Barnabas. Barnabas. Barnabas took a chance, and he took him and brought him to the apostles. Barnabas literally went after Saul. If Barnabas wouldn't have went after him and faced his fears, if Barnabas wouldn't have done that, you wouldn't have Romans or 1st, 2nd Corinthians or Galatians or Ephesians in your Bible. A third of the New Testament would be absent if one guy hadn't faced his fears and moved forward. One guy. Who do, who do you need, come on, who do you need to be a Barnabas to? Who's in your world that you need to reach out to, that you need to go after, that you need to take a chance on? Is there anybody? One day there was a guy around here years ago, his name was Derek Lozano. You might know Derek. He plays drums over here. He's got three kids running around the nursery. Derek's a married, good guy. What's that? Four kids? Dang, they multiply like rabbits. <laughs> hey, I wanted the church to... Anyway, sorry. So anyway, one day Derek was... If you don't know his story, his story is... Wow. Uh, Derek was going to die. And um, we got a call that um, that he was going to die and somebody told us the space where he was last seen and Bob Stetz was in the office and Bob Stetz dropped everything and he got up and he ran and found Derek and brought Derek back and we, uh, we helped him get in a, a place and to this very day, Derek, you know, he's, his life is different now. What, what would have happened if when he was at the bottom, if somebody hadn't went after him? Who do you need to go after? Who do you need to take a risk on?
One final thought. A fearless person also knows when to let others excel over them. I'm going to show you two verses. We're going to do this really quick. The first one is Acts 12:35. Notice the order of the words. When Barnabas and... Who's, who's uh, the more important one in this verse? The one listed first, Barnabas. All right. Notice one chapter later, chapter 13, what does it say? Paul and Barnabas. Here's what happened. Barnabas knew that to be the encourager, there came a time because he was fearless that he was willing to take a back seat to let somebody become who God made them to be. Who are you reaching out to? Who are you letting excel in your life? Who are, who are you taking a risk on? All right, I got a great story here. I'm not going to tell it. 30 was a fighter. Many great people in the Bible were fighters. Did you know that? Do you know, uh, I believe God put in the heart of man to be a fighter. Can I talk to men for just a second? There's this verse in the Bible. Your Bible now translates it, be courageous. That's how your Bible translates it. Because nearly every version translated that. But do you know what the literal Greek words are? Act like a man. There's something in the heart of man that you're, you're a fighter. Men, I want to draw that out of you rather than kill that. I know we got a culture that's trying to make you into a sissy. But I want to tell you it's all right to be a man. Somebody comes after my wife, harm comes to my wife, I am stepping in front of her. For, did you all hear about that, that guy that was in the club dancing recently and a shooter came in and he shielded his girlfriend and he was killed because he stepped in front of her? Did you all hear that story? You don't hear a lot of stories like that because let me tell you, there's something in the heart of a man that says, I'll take a bullet for those I love. I don't know if I'd take a bullet. Yeah, I do. I know because I would fight a dog for my wife. <laughs> I know I've done that stuff. I, I'm stepping between her and harm. Same with my kids. Honestly, same for you probably. Because as a guy, there's something in me that that's just who I'm made to be. Can I tell you it's all right to be a man? But the problem with us men, can I point out now our weakness, is we will die for those we love, but we won't shut up. <laughs> we'll get angry and mad and kill them with our words when we would protect them with our bodies. Or we won't be loyal to them when we should. Guys, listen, that... I will die for those I love is great in a moment but you really want to be a man not just a boy then be a man that will die for those you love every day of the year not just when the pressure's on die for those you love by doing the right thing even if it kills you you can take that and do with it what you want to but I think it's about time. I, I'm all right with men being men. And it's not how many ladies you put into bed that makes you a man. It's how you protect with your attitudes and actions daily those you love that makes you a man. 
problem is we fight for victory sometimes instead of fighting for the people we love. <laughs> and I want to encourage you to be a person who fights for those you love rather than your ego. <laughs> Acts 15.2 Paul and Barnabas were brought into sharp dispute and debate with them. So what do we know about them? Paul and Barnabas, they fought. Who were they fighting for? This story in Acts 15 is about forcing a group of people. Actually, they were being treated with discrimination. Can I say a word about that too? Y'all give me a second here. We're in a culture right now that we need to fight discrimination. And I can, can I tell you, there's sometimes me being the guy who doesn't like being told what to do by greater culture. You shove something down my throat, I'm going to kick back at it just because. But can I tell you that our fighting of discrimination has nothing to do with what's popular in social media. Our fighting discrimination has to do with the fact that we, as followers of Jesus, believe all people are worthy of love and relationship with God and with us because they're humans, not because of any other qualification. So that's who we are. We want to fight against discrimination, and we want to fight against abuse by the culture, and we want to fight against those things, and, and that's who we are. That's who God's called us to be. And don't let the craziness of this culture stop you from standing up for what is just and right. So the first thing they did, they fought against prejudice, ostracization, and oppression. But they also fought for freedom, mercy, and forgiveness and opportunities. That's what Barnabas also fought for. Because this is a story now of the same Paul and Barnabas. It's in Acts chapter 15, verse 36. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, along with them. But Paul didn't think it was wise to take him. The reason he didn't think it was wise is because Mark had a habit of running. And sometime I'll teach on the book of Mark and you can understand a little better. Mark has a habit of running. And, and Barnabas says, hey, let's take Mark with us on our missionary journey. And, J and Paul says, uh-uh-uh-uh-uh. He abandoned us the last time we did this. And I ain't going to have no little kid running away anytime he gets scared. I ain't got time to put up with him. I ain't his mama. I'm not going to do it. And Barnabas, Barnabas got in touch a sharp disagreement protecting Mark. Standing up for Mark. That it says, Paul and Barnabas, they did what? They split company. So Paul and Silas, Paul takes Silas, they go and they got books written about them. They got chapters written about what they did. Barnabas and Mark take off. You know what they got? Crickets. Except for two things. You have a gospel in your Bible called the book of Mark because of this action. And you know what else you have? Paul... The guy they got in a fight with later on in 2 Timothy 4.11 says, get Mark and bring him with you because he's helpful to me. <laughs> he won. Barnabas was a fighter, but he was always fighting for the oppressed, the downtrodden, the forgotten, the abused, and the mistreated. Would to God we would be a church with that same attitude. So, who's waiting for you? Who needs you to finish strong by stopping your race and helping them? Who's 
waiting for you to help them finish strong. Galatians 3.3, I have to throw this in there. It's a great one. It says, after beginning by means of the Spirit. This is the one verse I couldn't fit in any of my sermon series. After beginning by means of the Spirit. Are you now trying to finish by your own flesh? You need God's Spirit to help you. You need the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. That's why he's called the paraclete, the one who encourages you or walks along with you. We need the encouragement of the Spirit so we can encourage others and we can be encouragers with everybody else. So, a man stopped to watch a Little League baseball game. And he watched the team, man, they were chasing the ball around the field, the score, blah, blah, blah. And he looked over at the dugout of the team that was on the field and he said, hey, what's the score? And, and they said, it's 18 to nothing. 18 to nothing. And the man looked at the little boys and said, well, well, you guys don't seem very discouraged by that score. He said, why should we be? We haven't even gotten up to bat yet. <laughs> and some of you have lived a life where the score's been run up on you. And I want to tell you, it's your time to get up to bat. It's time for you to get up to bat. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to talk to you about your next steps. If you're here, the, you want to get to this life, the first thing you have to do is you have to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You have to commit to him as your Lord, yeah. Savior. Jesus, I give you my life. Pastor Jesse's back there in the back. Wave at everybody. Wave at everybody real high, real high so they can see you. See him? If you're in this space and you have not yet made Jesus your Lord and Savior, What's going to be your next step after today? You can go back there and talk to him. He's going to lead you to Jesus. We're going to pray a prayer with you. We're going to put you on the path. Now, there are others of you. You've been attending this church. I talk to people. Oh, my goodness. This, this, this last month, I spent a lot of time in the foyer trying to talk to people. I've talked to people who have attended this church a year, six months, three months. Numerous of you. This is numerous. And I ask the same question of every single one of them. So have you been to Discover yet? And they're like, no. I'm like, well, did you, hold on, can you, did you text that number on the screen? And I'm like, no. Do you know what Discover is? Discover is where we take your firstborn child and we take all your salary. What is discover? I mean, think about it. It's a very powerful word. It says you've got to sacrifice. No, it says you get a chance just to hear and discover. Learn something. Learn something, right? Actually, learn a little bit about the church and how you might be able to fit in. And yet you've been sitting there six months or a year and you still haven't done this? Come on now. What do I want you to do? Why isn't your phone out? Why aren't you texting that number right now? Come on, take your step. Take your step. Now, there are some of you, you've texted Discover, you've taken your first step, but you know what you haven't done? Can I, real, real quick, real quick. I can, I can validate this and show you scripturally that you will never grow in maturity as a follower of Jesus until you serve. I can show you from the Bible. You will never mature until you serve. It will not happen. Do you know why? 
Because if you're not serving, you're not giving, which means you're a dead pool collecting water and giving nothing out. And all you become is stagnant and nasty and moldy. And some of you stink because you're moldy. Because you've been in church for years and all you do is suck up everybody else's work. It's time to quit stinking. So if you, if maybe you've taken that first step and you've never decided to serve, what are we going to have you do? We're going to have you take the next step. So there's a QR code. This will sign you up for Volunteer Lab. Volunteer Lab. Sign up here. Come on, pull out your phone. Come on. Grab the phone. Don't. Well, you got a dumb phone in you. Yeah, I mean, a smartphone, yeah. Come on, take a picture of it. That, you know what will happen if you put the, uh, it'll pop up and you can register for Volunteer Lab. We have four of them coming up. Two on Sunday the 5th, two of them on Sunday the 12th. I'm expecting a lot of you that haven't signed up for Volunteer Lab to sign up. Y'all are, some of y'all are just sitting there looking at me like, why is this guy doing that? Because God has a better life for you than you're living. And quit complaining about the life you're living until you start doing what he wants you to do. Right? All right. Well, I don't have my phone with me. Well, good. We took care of that too. Because you know what you can do? You can walk out this back door today and there's the hub right out there. There's this counter. We got people waiting out there to sign you up for Volunteer Lab after service. And you're like, but I don't want to serve. I don't know. All right. So can we put up the, the bullet? Uh, the bullseye? There you go. All right. So some of you, dec- the crowd, all you do is you just show up at church. You're just here in church and you never do anything and you're never going to grow. Our word this year is Disciple. I want you to grow. I want you to become a disciple of Jesus. To do that, it's time to quit being a part of the crowd that looks at me and starts being a part of the church that actually one another's. Y'all ready? So we have level one serving. At Volunteer Lab, you will find out we have level one serving. You know what level one servers do? Once a month, for one hour, you just show up. I don't know. Do you, do you know that somebody has to replace the pins that you guys all steal? <laughs> take them, take them. I'm not kidding. But somebody has to replace them. Did you know that? Do you know we have somebody that shows up an hour a week before service, 30 minutes before service, and they fill those pins? Did you know that? Some of you could do that job. And it wouldn't be a pain on you at all. You could do it. But you know what you're doing? Nothing. And you know what you're not doing? Growing. You're not becoming a disciple of Jesus. So there's that level of stuff. I mean, there's stuff like, you know, uh, anyway. And then there's level two that requires some training. And don't tell me you can't do that. Titus, where are you at? Titus, look over there. Look over there. Look at him. Titus is what? Titus is nine years old. Doing level two serving. That is a child raised by good parents. Don't tell me what you can and cannot do. Because right now, we got people all over this place doing level two. We got people, did you know there's somebody up there hidden in a room up there, right up there? And you know what they're doing? They're equalizing the sound so that the people online have something to listen to that doesn't sound like... 
Did you know that? No. Did you know, well, I, I'm not going to get into it. Level two requires some training and a higher level of commitment. And then there's level three. You know what? Core, those are people who work with minors. Those are people that are in leadership and people who do discipleship. To get there, there's a process you've got to go through. We're not going to, listen, not everybody gets to work with my kids. You want to mess with one of my kids? Call the cop. Call the cops on me. You ever abuse one of my kids? Call the cops on me because they'll come pick up the pieces of you. The undertaker's for you. The cops are for me. And that's not a... Trust me. So there are hoops you have got to jump through if you want to work with my kids. I've got to make sure you're not a goofball. I'm going to mess them up and say negative things to them and be harsh. Right? Right? By the way, some of you, do you know this church grew 22% in Sunday morning attendance last year? Yeah, yeah it's good. You know what that means, though? That means we had 100 kids. Now we got 122 kids. Well, we got a space. We got the same workers doing the work for 122 kids they were doing for 100 kids. So if you're a mom or you're a dad and you're putting kids back there and kids men, it's about time you act like an adult, get involved with the process so that you can help be a part of taking care of your own kids and quit mooching off other people that serve you all the time. I love you guys. If that's offensive to you, be offended. I don't care. But you know what you need to do? If I offended you, maybe it's me shoving you so you'll take your next. So if you're level one, you've been a level one server, come on, step into level two. If you're a level two server, come on, step into the core. Because we need some spaces freed up on level one servers, and we got too many people been hanging out level one serving for too long. If you're in level one serving, what do you need to do? Take your next. Are you guys getting this? I, I've got like this message to you today. It should be you should do what? Take your next. Why? Because there is a journey of spiritual and emotional health that the only way you're going to do it is if you actually do it. All right, would y'all stand with me? I'm done. <laughs> when you walk out the back door, make sure you sign up for Volunteer Lab. Okay? All right? God help us go do it. Amen. Amen. Hey, before you leave today, you should probably take a second and speak to one another before you walk out the door because we did that. You know, you know, service is done, everybody. I'm serious. I'm done. Bye. Go home.